so not real whatsoever. Because I was fucked up and Dr. Phil was not what he looked like. Professional poker dealer ran a pool hall. Scam Judge Judy. Remember on Hollywood Boulevard that night, all the Satanists from all over the world that came in. If they determine your story to be a lie, you will be accountable for the costs. Your plane ticket, your hotel costs. You're here for Judy, and this is a show. 20-year-old girl or an 18-year-old girl is young, perky, fresh, and all of that. That was pretty close. That wasn't bad. You just like layer it, layer it maybe? Like record yourself maybe. over yourself like four times? I think that's probably what Craig did. I can imitate like a motherfucker. It's, do it's being, being original. That's hard for me. Well, welcome back, Corwin. It's good to, good to hear from you. Hey, Fabian. How's it going? It's a beautiful day. Well, it rained a lot, and then it got beautiful. Um, but aside from that, we have Morgan here with us again. Hi, Morgan. Hello. It's good to hey, see Morgan. you. I can, I can actually see Morgan. I'm in the room with Morgan. Yeah, I'm not, We're not just not like... facing against the wall. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we also have Eben here with us. Hi, Eben. Hi there. Hi there. Hey, he's hey Eben. Um, I haven't talked to Eben in a while. Eben, how have you been? You know, I've been pretty, pretty good. I uh, hope so. Excited to be back at work and out of the quarantine. Oh, where do you work? Uh, I'm a traveling poker dealer. Oh, a traveling a... poker oh, dealer. That sounds uh, badass. That does. Yeah. Are you... yeah. Is it? it? Yeah, it's actually a lot of fun. I just got done dealing in uh, West Palm Beach, and here in a couple weeks, I'm headed to San Diego. Okay, I, Fabian, is wow. alright if I dig into this a little bit? Yeah, please do. Okay, so traveling poker dealer. Why would anybody need a traveling poker dealer? Well, like, the World Series of Poker will kind of tour around the U.S. and have different tournament series at casinos. Okay, so and, you kind of go on tour with them. Right, right, right. Oh, I see. Well, and. Uh-huh. But I'm an independent contractor, so I can kind of pick jobs I want to work and which ones I don't want to. And they don't have to pay you insurance or benefits. Uh, right. Nice, nice. Uh, what what kind of poker do you deal? Uh, like Hold'em, just straight... Texas Hold'em. Okay. Pr primarily. Do you get tips from that? Like, I've heard crazy stories about, like, blackjack croupiers, I think they're called. Uh, yeah, the pay is kind of... I mean, we'll get an hourly rate that's, like... Usually about five dollars an hour or something, and then everything else will be determined by tips. Okay. Is is there any is there any such thing as like do you have to be licensed to do this? Like, is there any process yeah, you, for? Well, you got to go to a dealing school and uh, a dealing school. What do they? Uh -huh. I, I mean, I guess they teach you to deal cards, but is there right, right, right? A specialized skill set. Right. They just teach you, you know, the proper way to shuffle and you know all the rules and. How to deal with, you know, a bunch of various situations and that kind of stuff. You situations know, like what to do with a belligerent drunk guy who sure. thinks you're intentionally dealing in bad cards or? 
Right, right. Or, you know, someone who might accidentally expose their hand or, you know, someone's acting a turn, you know, okay. any number of things. But, you know, there's sometimes that, you know, there's hundreds of thousands of dollars on the line. So exactly. So right. like the, there must also be some kind of database of certified blackjack or certified poker dealers, because otherwise, if you if you are caught cheating or are caught helping somebody cheat, don't they have to be able to strike your name from a list or something? Like this person can never, can never. Right. Deal. Well, right. It's, it's a, it's, it's kind of a connected community. I mean, if you were to get fired from one casino for something like that, it's something that they would all that know. Would, right. Right. They would all find you because with any, like to go deal in Florida, I got to get a Florida gaming license and that's an extensive background check and credit check and everything else. And then, to go to Missouri, you know, you got to fill out a Missouri gaming license, and they'll check to see if you've ever been fired or denied a license or anything else. Okay, so it, I mean, yeah, like you said, it's a hundred, hundreds of thousands of dollars on the line sometimes, and they're trusting you with that. Right, right. That's fascinating. How did you get? How did you fall into this uh, occupation? I just, or was it something like you were like, shit, I want to do that. That looks badass. I saw, yeah, pretty I much. saw Mel Gibson I, and Maverick once, and was like, fuck yeah. Right. I, uh, you know, just I love playing the game and next best to playing it to dealing it you know right and I, I just you know just like being in the middle of every hand you know I like watching it all go down i like watching people in those, you know high pressure situations okay okay sorry fabian i just i, I had to find out more about that no that's the point like i like those stories uh well i guess like what we're talking about today is uh morgan has been on dr phil and not Oprah, like I kept saying. But uh, play on Oprah channel, still. And uh, me and Eben were on Judge Judy. <laughs> Sorry, y'all. Story time. <laughs> um, so is it? Is it se- I think it is a little sexist that I'm. I was alarmed that that wasn't Fabian. <laughs> well, I'm glad that makes you feel good. Thanks. It it makes you feel good. My my just kind of subconscious misogyny, like that didn't come from a girl. What came from me? Damn. All right. Good job. Thanks. Also, fuck me. I'm uh I'm a I'm a terrible sexist pig. I should be more of a lady, but I mean that's probably the only part of me that's not. I mean, if you're a lady, then anything you do is ladylike. So. Yeah, you set the bar. Yeah. Oh, shoot. Okay. Um, so, so what is the story with you getting on? Like, what was the topic? Um, so my dad, oh, how old was he then? 40. And, um, he's very young looking and he liked, he ended up dating or seeing a girl that was far too young for him. And that was actually like two grades above me in high school and kind of friends with me. And In, in high school? Well, no, she graduated. She was two grades above me. Oh, okay. She was not currently. No, she was not in high high school. school. Okay. She was probably twenty-one, but whatever. Um, so we took that and made it. uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Embellished it, the story, to make it seem like he was dating all of my girlfriends. And so, on the plane ride to California, we actually rehearsed lines. And Wait, so what you're saying is, like, they just make shit up on Dr. Phil? Not necessarily, but they they just make it seem worse than it is, I guess. Or me and my dad made it worse than it really was. Was it at the, incur- like, were they encouraging you from, 
Dr. Phil, like the show, they were telling you, like, oh, really, really play it up. Maybe ha- yeah. come in with a story in mind. And Oh, yeah. And whenever I get to, to that part, it's pretty okay. funny. But, but yeah, they do that. Okay. Um, but, yeah, that's the – and I didn't even know that my dad was um, doing this because I watch Dr. Phil every day at 3 o'clock after school. And – well, my dad just graduated. But, anyways, 3 o'clock. And then I was actually at you, your house, Fabian, with Kayla and I – when I found out that he, that we were going to be on Dr. Phil. And then they came to Texarkana two days later to film there. And then the next day flew us out. So we did our interviews in our home. And then he went to Fat Jack's, which is the local bar. And then some of my girlfriends came over and they shot them with him. <laughs> yeah. What was the window of time between when you find out you're going to be on the show and then you were on the show? Less than a week. Wow. Mm-hmm. They made it happen fast. Cause yeah, he told me and he said they'll be here in two days. And they were. Wow. So they flew out to Texarkana mm-hmm. in two days just to grab footage. Yeah. How did how did he, did he reach out to them? I guess he had to have reached out to them. Mm-hmm. He just sent, he just called them and said, hey, I'm dating a 21-year-old. And Dr. Phil's people were like, fuck yeah, we'll be there in, in two days. I'll be honest, I don't, I, he's never told me the email that he sent. I bet they had one of those things where it's like, do you date your daughter's friends? Or do you, like, they do like a cattle call yeah, type yeah, thing yeah. sometime at the right. end of the show. It's probably like responded to one of those. <laughs> well, but they liked it, and so. Did they, they were... do they pay you for creating content for them? No. What? You didn't get per diem? <laughs> no, I didn't get anything. Just got so they, they use your likeness, they use your story, they, they use you. They use your time, and they don't compensate you? Um, for a hotel, and uh, I got, like, a coffee mug. <laughs> you get a free trip. I mean, yeah. it's pretty sweet. Yeah, okay. That was yeah. fun. I mean, okay. Yeah. 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 And yeah. I got to meet Dr. F- well, I mean, I, at the time I was obsessed with him, but we'll get to that. <laughs> okay. So they came out. They sh- they shot footage in Texarkana. Who was they? Was it a two-person crew? It was the producer. I think her name was Jill. I think it was just her there may have been a cameraman but i don't remember him much because i got i ended up having to wear the producer's shirt because i couldn't find a solid color shirt to wear so we i swapped shirts with the producer and then we did really uncomfortable um montages of us sitting in the living room and then we actually had to do our interviews downstairs while the other one sat upstairs in the room about the whole thing and remind you i had only had two days to come up with something because I mean, I really wasn't. I wasn't at upset about my dad and this girl. It wasn't as big of a deal as Doctor going to Doctor Phil. So I had to make it. I had to be upset. Yeah, yeah. I have a friend that was um, in a pilot for a reality show, and the producers were the same people that did um, the Osbournes, and so they had a lot of experience in like cooking up shows, and so they came and did like a, just a pilot, like a sizzle reel. And they had them do this ridiculous, super set up fake shit with like backing, like they're all these like moms that have their own business and they're trying to load up a trailer and they're trying to back a truck up. And they had them back this truck up like three or four times and like act like, oh, this is, they know how to back a fucking truck up. And it was just a whole, and like me and like my other buddies were all standing there watching and it was so not real whatsoever. And it's kind of like a little window into, oh, this is how they get the footage Mm -hmm. that you see on TV. It's, it's not anything other than just, okay, we need to show you doing this to tell the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the real talent in the reality, reality shows is the, the editor. Mm-hmm. 
it all comes down to who can edit random ass footage together. Like somebody has an idea for a narrative and then shoot a bunch of footage. And then what can, what kind of story can you tell with this footage? Cut a hundred hours down to 30 minutes. Right. And I wouldn't let the, I wouldn't let them go in my bedroom for some reason. She really wanted me to go in my bedroom. I was like, no, I did. I would want anybody to go in my bedroom. We didn't go in my bedroom, but, uh, so can I get into my the story before Dr. Phil? Yes, please. It's really so we flew to California, and I, my friend Tyson Phillips, who I graduated with, lived there at the time. So we got a hotel, and we went to Hollywood Boulevard, did all that tourist stuff, and then we went to my friend Tyson's um, that evening. And me and my dad both drank and stayed up till two a.m. But and he left, and he didn't know that I was going back and forth doing recreational drugs until 5 a.m. I got back to our hotel at 5.30, laid my head down. The car was there to pick us up at 6. So I hadn't had any sleep, and my dad didn't know when I got home. So we get in the car at 6, drive us to the studio. (laughs) They also did get to my room. My dad goes to his room. They picked me out an outfit because they didn't like mine, and and I did not like their outfit that they picked out for me. But... Anyways, I have a picture of myself doing a selfie in the in the mirror, and I'm just I fucking hate it. But so whenever I was talking about, they try to amp you up to get Dr. Phil riled up. Well, I my dad gave me half of an Ativan because he thought that I was um, nervous because I wasn't talking a lot, but I was really just I hadn't slept. So he gave me half an Ativan, and then when they told him that, he gave me another half. So I uh, I wasn't. I was fucked up pretty much. <laughs> and because I wasn't ner- like I wasn't showing any sort of jitters or, or nervousness. And they had told my dad that they were worried that I wasn't going to be good. <laughs> but anyways, so we're out there and I see the audience and it's so cold in there. They play share and everybody's up and dancing. And then they put our picture up on the screen and they're like, can you guess the relationship between these two? They're not brother and sister. They're not this or that. They're father and daughter and the crowd goes ooh or something and then we come out meet dr phil and everything that me and my dad had kind of rehearsed i uh i just i I didn't follow through because i was fucked up and dr phil was not what he looked like on tv what do you mean physically or just makeup everywhere oh and his bald head and i just that's when you could see me i'm just looking at his face the whole t- for most of the time Who is i do this monster I, <laughs> I do i do you know engage in the conversation and everything but our thought process was that he was gonna tell my dad he was in the wrong but in the end he really he told me to basically i ha- i can't i have no say he's like mind your business yes let this old how- man let this old man date date young women because that's what i want to do and also i'm not a licensed psychologist or therapist in any way i am not a doctor did he did he not say that no he didn't well say he that. should have i would i would respect him more if he told the truth but there and the, and the audience was mainly women and so they i mean they don't think they really liked what my dad had to say or like him dating a young woman but anyways dr phil disappointed me Got off the stage, and it was a three-part one, so we were first. So I had to sit there and listen to two other stories, and we were front row. And I'm 
falling asleep. <sighs> and in the, in the credits, you can see my eyes. I'm like, I look like a, I don't look like myself, but I'm nodding off the entire time. For, then, for well, so in the credits, I'm sorry, listen, go ahead. Well, I was nodding off while the other two stories were going off on. But then right. in the credits, you can see me. My clap is so unenthusiastic, and I have bags under my eyes, and I look fucking tired. I'm fucked up. Yes. I'm tired. I'm disillusioned. Look at and that. disappointed in Doctor Phil's face. Look at that fucking blob monster in the suit over there. What the fuck? That and flesh, he wasn't on my side either. That flesh so, golem. Just. My dad got a lot of hate emails after that, though. Good. Uh, so what is? the episode number or like if we wanted to see this is it on youtube somewhere or oh yeah i know the pilot still is there i have the i don't i i don't know well, if you go on dr phil's website you can't really watch past episodes a lot of stuff like that's on youtube like a lot of judge judy is on youtube yeah you could probably go find it you could probably you could type in three part father daughter blah 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 okay. something, something something like that or watch the upper channel and see if they do a rerun, because they do. Jerry, pull that up. Put it in the show notes that don't exist. Right. They haven't existed yet. They're usually, if there's any show notes at all, it's a lot of gibberish. Would y'all get paid for ju Judge Judy? Sort of. Um, there was a judgment, and we split it, and I bought um, guitar pedals, and that was nice. Do you um, still have the guitar pedals? I fucking Judy? do. Yeah. You, you have your Judy pedals? Yes. I have nice. play that shit to this day. Um, so I think as far as our story, um, one little preface I want to give is like, so me and Eben met in 99, uh, like in, in art class, we didn't have art class together, but they kept the art building open till all night, the night before finals were due. And the final was this big giant still life. It's like, it's like a skeleton was suspended from the ceiling with like stop signs and flowers and a hand mixer and all this kind of stuff. It's just all piled up. And you had to draw it. And um, of course, I didn't do shit for it until the night before. And apparently, Evan didn't either. And so we stay up all night working on our finals and telling stories. And so um, eventually, we met other places too and, and were friends. And Evan tended to do things like, I want to make Lude a coffee mug on top of his truck. Just because it was amusing to see the other people like try and wave him down. And then one of my other favorite things is um, he found out that anybody could buy airtime at the local radio station. Uh, you didn't have to be like the flower shop or whatever. So he bought dead air. And so they would, they would, um, they would say, the following 30 seconds of silence is brought to you by Evan Pittman. And it'd be 30 seconds of silence. And they'd say, the preceding 30 seconds of silence has been brought to you by Evan Pittman on the local town radio station. And, nice, uh, nice. So there were these little things that I've known Evan to do for his amusement. I guess um, uh, getting on Judge Judy was one of them. So, uh, Evan, can you uh, tell us a little bit of how it struck you to get on Judge Judy? Yeah. Well, I was working with my dad in the office, and he would watch the TV court shows. And... I noticed one day at the, at the end of the credits, it said that the fines were, all the imposed fines were paid by the producer. And then I thought, well, then maybe we could just get on there. Then It wouldn't cost anybody anything. And especially if the producers pay the fine, maybe even make something. So I was kind of racking my brain, trying to come up with some kind of story that I felt like would be something that they'd have some kind of interest in, uh, you know, dealing with, I guess. 
man, for a few weeks, I just thought about it and thought about it and determined to come up with something. And then finally there was a, uh, we were having a party at my house one night and these two guys got into a fight and one of them got pushed into the car, my, or <clears throat> the door of my vehicle and it didn't get in real bad. And I was like, this probably can work. So we just kind of added a few details to it and embellished it a little bit and submitted the story to, I just hopped on the internet and went to all the different TV court show websites and submitted the story. And uh, Judge Judy, Judge Joe Brown, and the People's Court all called back asking if uh, I wanted to come do the case on, on their show. And you but, decided you went with Judy because it's fucking Judy. Went, Judge right, Judy's went, intimidating. Right. I went with I Judge Judy because she was the highest paid, uh, she was the highest paid uh, TV judge at the time and i guess still is probably judge uh, jerry's probably better <laughs> but uh when i was looking it up on the internet kind of reading about it uh was kind of getting the impression that you know the less popular shows would be more likely to throw out a case or maybe uh rule against your favor you know since they're having to pay the fine or whatever so i figured well she was the only one that was internationally syndicated at the time so are more than likely, they they have the money, so they're more likely to pay out. Right, right. So and I've just I really enjoyed the idea of being translated somewhere. You know, like if, like you know, some, since since somebody gets paid to, right, right. Somebody, somebody gets paid, paid to do your translated. voiceover. Right, yeah. And so either way, y'all got paid. And who knows, knows how many? We'll get to that. Oh, okay. Okay, so again, I'm I'm learning that you just made shit up. To get on TV? Uh, Are you telling no, me that TV is not real? There was an actual fight. and I, um, But were you in that fight, Fabian? So that's where you have to get creative with, with reality. Um, one thing I you would mean like lie? to actually... Uh, you know, some people call it that. Uh, I like to call it alternative truths. Um, okay. One thing I that sounds really talk... familiar. I don't know where I've heard that like, recently. Uh, it's It's official. Uh, one thing I want to find out a little bit more about... Okay, so one of the guys that got in the fight... Uh, his name was Sam. Can you tell me more about Sam? Because he sounds like an interesting character, if I remember correctly. Sam, very interesting character. He was, um, I mean, a short guy, you know, not like a little person or anything, but, you know, he was, you know, shorter than everybody else all his life, you know, just, you know. He was a little and, person, but not a little person. Right, right, right. He was yeah. just, you know, a short guy, but... Yeah. And, you know, when he'd get drunk, he was one of those short guys that would pick fights with the big guys. So he was, you know, he got into a fight with the biggest guy at the party. Who, who folded him to... in half and threw him into the side of your truck. Yeah, pretty much. Like a napkin. Pretty much. Okay. And uh, the next day, I was like, ah, oh, this is it. So I called that guy up uh, and asked if he'd have any interest in going to Judge Judy. And he didn't. So, so ask Fabian. Just pretend to be my. Hey, hello, my six foot five friend. Would you pretend to be my short friend? Oh no no. So here's it's a little it's a little uh, mixed up right there. So the person that was oh, not yeah. interested in going was my brother, who is six foot ten. So that's oh. that's the funny part about this. Or let's one Hold of the up. many funny. Your brother parts. is what? He's six foot ten. I'm the short. So you're one. the short one. Yes. And he's what built like fuck? a refrigerator. He's a uh, he's a big guy. And so it was kind of amusing in the first place that Sam uh, and he got into an altercation at all. Uh, kind of cute. And um, it makes a lot of sense that Trin uh, my brother huh, uh, just tossed him 
into a vehicle. Um, but one of the things about Sam that's also interesting that's not, makes it not surprising that he did that was, um, can we talk about the fight videos, Evan? Sure. So, um, so how no did that get how started? Happy I am that I don't have to go back and edit that. Okay. So, uh, how did that get started? Because that's where I first ever saw Sam, and he came into my radar. Um, well, one time we, at the time we were running a pool hall and, um, for whatever reason, we just had this idea of professional like, poker dealer, ran a pool hall, scam judge, <laughs> right. yeah, uh, up, right? has, <laughs> has fights that end up right. like vehicular damage. I'm starting, Evan, I'm starting to think that you're a little shady. Not yeah, that I'm yeah. judging. You know, Not that I'm judging. You know, everybody's trying to get it back. Okay. Anyway, anyway so we were in the pool hall. And, nice to meet you, uh, by the way. Yeah, likewise. And we decided, like, you know, we should start collecting fight footage, you know? Like, at the time, there were, like, you know, the different fight DVDs and stuff. I'm like, eh, why not? You know, let's at least, you know, see what happens. So We've got we, this place. We've already got security cameras up. Fuck. All right. We could just pay people to fight, you know, basically. So uh, it only happened three times, but just because it got so big each time that after the third time, it was like, there will be police involved if we try to do this again. Just because it's kind of a small town. Everybody was hearing about it. You know, people were showing up, like, asking to fight. Essentially. All right. I think but, that's unlicensed bare-knuckle boxing is what that is. Mm-hmm. Basically. Okay, but so the second, random unlicensed bare-knuckle boxing ring. All right. So the second night, it's, you know, there's a lot of people there to see a fight, but no one's really interested in fighting. But Sam's there, and he's drunk, and he's wanting to see a fight. After a while, he's fuck it, you know, somebody fight me. So he just basically walks around the room and finds the biggest guy there. And Who happens to be him, Fabian's Makes brother? him fight him. No, no, no. This is kind of where Sam kind oh. of came into the picture. Oh, okay. So this was a regular so, thing that he would do? Well, I mean, he would get drunk, and it wouldn't take much to get him to fight, you know. And he was okay with getting beat up, you know. So Fuck you, I'm short. Right, right. Gotcha. Exactly. <laughs> But and then he came over to the the house party and you know got drunk and wanted to fight the big guy there who was Fabian's brother. And so whenever um so whenever it came up to get on the show, um, my brother wasn't interested at all. He didn't want to be flying on the plane. He didn't want to be on TV. It's not his bag. And uh, and I was up for it. I was super nervous about it. I was. Uh, it's not really the kind of thing that I felt naturally that I would be like cut out for, but I, I do like to do cool shit and it sounded pretty cool. And, um, so I get a phone call, uh, while I'm at Eben's house and I walk out in the front yard to take this phone call on my, my little razor flip phone. And it's the judge Judy people. And like one of the producers and saying, so we've got a case your friend has filed, uh, these, you know, this, you know, this case against you, um, for damaging his vehicle at a party and of course, I have to now act surprised and figure out how, well, how would I actually what? sound if no. yeah, if you get that phone call. So I had to probably be like, a lot like Keanu Reeves. Yeah. I, whoa. Whoa. Are you, whoa. Are you, and I was asking, are you really, you know, are you really Judge Judy? Is this a joke? And um, and then asking questions like, how did how do you um, how do people how do you get, get on number? here? Fucker. Yeah, stuff like that. And they talked about like one of the benefits of going on their show is that. If you know a judgment is filed against you, 
because somebody wants money from you and it has to go to court, that can actually negatively impact your credit history, your credit report. And so people will go to Judge Judy because she's not an actual judge, of course. She's an arbitrator or arbiter, arbitrator. It's arbitration. And yeah. so it's, it's not legally done in, in that same way. So, um, so it doesn't go in your credit report. So that's a big benefit. Okay. And they will actually go through public records where people file these, um, these cases against each other and they'll look for good ones. They'll dig them up and they will randomly call people because they've gone through public records to find those people. But then again, of course, someone can email the show with the story and they'll follow up on those that they find or feel are worth their time. And Is so, Judge Judy still on? Can we just make up some wild shit and email it to her? She's still on. I don't know if it's new stuff, but I watch it every day. Yeah, this motherfucker like took my my anaconda and swung it around and like made a lasso and then roped my girlfriend and like just make up some bullshit. We could make up something and get on either Judge Jerry, who's a judge now, or Mari. Steve Wilco's still doing shows. I know that. We talked about okay. him last time. <laughs> I forgot about Steve Wilco. Yeah, we did talk about that. Why don't we just do the circuit? I think that this is a, th- a thing that we could do. Definitely. I'm sure someone's out there with a podcast entirely about that. (laughs) So this week we've been on, we went on Wheel of Fortune. We went on the wheel. That takes a minute to do that one. I had a friend try. Uh, But when they called, it was actually a pretty fast turnaround on RN2. I think it was a matter of like three days that we had um, the phone call. And then it was plane ticket, you're going out. Um, And I remember talking to the lady and she told me that I could bring a witness and so uh, my friend Billy had been in, uh, he was a theater major, and I'd seen him do plays uh, a few times, and he was always good. So I knew he wouldn't like lock up and freeze up on television. So I picked him, and we were, of course, like great friends anyway. Like if I'm going to fly in to LA, I would take Billy regardless. Um, and so he was my witness that I took with me. A few things leading into this, though, before we get to the actual episode itself. Um, they flew us out on separate planes. And they put us up in separate hotels. And I think they did pay us like $70 per day, like per diem or something, some kind of stipend for food, basically. And I remember, so um, I'd never flown on a plane before. Like, this was my first flight. And, uh, Mine too. Yeah. And uh, what a good way to get it off the ground. And I remember waiting in the airport with Billy, and we're just like sitting there trading stories. And somebody walks up, and um, they had a cigarette, and they needed it lit. And somebody else had a cigarette, and they were finishing it, and they passed it. And we watched that happen like two or three times as we're waiting at this terminal for a shuttle to come pick us up. And I wondered, like, it's almost like the Olympic torch. Like, I wondered how many times that cigarette keeps going, keeps going, keeps going. What happens when it stops? Because you're not allowed to have a lighter past that point. And um, I remember we the plane was plane rides were awesome. Like, I'd never flown on a plane before. And so, like, getting a little drink, a little, a little Coke and Crown, a little tiny bo- bottle of Crown was wonderful. felt special. I sat, like, still a little little old lady and we didn't say much but we cheers to each other um i remember when we landed we got taken to our hotel and then of course we're calling each other we're calling evan and uh his wife and we uh decide to meet up and so we get to step in because we were in hotels like a mile or so apart and there's not um google maps necessarily back then that i, I don't think was they the were same. they were probably thinking like we cannot put these two guys who are having a fight in yeah. the same in the same hotel room yeah it just makes sense that you know for they would appearances separate and, you yeah in logic and so we got there on a monday and we were going to film on wednesday so we had 
from the time we arrived Monday all day Tuesday and then Wednesday uh, morning we, we got driven to the studio uh, to film. So we were there for a few days. Um, I remember we did different things. I think Tuesday Evan rented a car so we could get around. And I remember the different little things that we did. Like at one point we went to a, uh, we were on Hollywood Boulevard and we went to an oxygen bar. And there's this fast talking kid that's like telling us the flavors of the oxygen. And we all sit down and pay like five or 10 bucks or whatever for like a session of oxygen at this little, uh, little booth. And uh, he's doing like, he's got these little like massage toys he's putting on your back and like rubbing your back. And it's kind of uncomfortable and weird. And the entire time I'm sitting there, I was like, I can't enjoy this because I feel like I'm just burning whatever amount of money I handed to this dude. Like these, these hoses, because they give you a nasal cannula like in the hospital, but it's neon colored. And it's right. like the tube runs into the table. And it's like, there's nothing down there. It's like an empty cabinet. I'm sure it's an empty <laughs> fucking cabinet. <laughs> you open this motherfucker up and you show me the tanks. Right. And then I want uh, a pressure gauge. Um, we also, at one point we were on, um, Santa Monica, I think down by the beach and, uh, I got, I got to walk into the beach onto the ocean for the first time. That was cool. It smelled funny. Um, but at one point I see the Scientology sign and, oh my God, did you go into the Scientology building? So for me, it was kind of a big deal because I'd been working, uh, in the library in college. I was in college at the time working in the library and I delivered them. I went, picked up the mail and I delivered it to all the different librarians, different departments in the library. And then I did other shit. Well, this one lady, her name was Velma Adams, which is such a cool name. She kept getting all this Scientology material, just big envelopes, big magazines, um, all these different things. And I started, she was dead. And one of the ladies was like, yeah, we, we talk, called and told him she's dead. She doesn't work anymore. She's not even alive. And you think, uh, they said, you think that's the first time Scientologists have heard, like, oh, no, she's dead. Stop. Right. Yeah. And they, they said, well, you can just find someone to give it to. And they just kept fucking sending it. And they never stopped. The entire four years that I worked in that library, it, just, it always came. She'd been dead there was long probably before I got some, there. There was probably some motherfucker who had a quota to meet for, yeah. like, material sent out. And he was like, thank God for Velma. Like, yeah, I you're can, right. I can just keep sending this out, and then that's another tick mark, and then I can level up to and whatever. Credit to them, bullshit. I started collecting it. I thought it was nifty. I just thought it was funny, and I would like read all the different OT, the bridge, OT level seven. Just all of it was hilarious. It was so well. Everything is called a technology. Like yeah, it's it's all gold and nautical. Um, and so when I saw this sign, I was like, holy shit! And I just take off running down the street. It's and, like you've uh, seen a celebrity. Yeah, like I was like, I'm gonna get some fucking answers now, and I go in and um, they give me, a, they offer me a glass of water, in a way that was not just like they're offering me a glass of water, um, and I start talking to the guy about my experience of like how I came across their shit, and um, he starts, he of course he's like an engaging person and starts talking. Well, then like Billy catches up, and they get to talking, and Billy tells him about somehow they get on the topic of how Billy had been arrested at one point with a quarter pound of pot. And he had this whole, like, you know, stressful time in his life. Well, the dude, the Scientologist dude is like, whoa, the same thing happened to me. I got arrested with a quarter pound of pot. And they start, like, going, whoa. And I'm, all of a sudden, I'm, like, on the outside of the conversation. I was like, hey, I ran down the fucking street to get here. Um, and then I bought a book, though. And I never read it because that's generally how that goes. Um, uh, let's see. What else did we do? We remember it was uh, it was 666. That's right. Remember on Hollywood Boulevard that night, all the Satanists from all over the world that came in. Yeah, so it was oh, wait, June you're saying 6th. June 6th, 2006? 
Right, that was the day. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Oh, uh-huh. earlier in the day, they a plane was skywriting six 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 because of the date, and I remember thinking to myself, like, you just don't see that back home in Arkansas. No, no, that plane would be shot out of the sky with some like it wouldn't even be like a weapon usually used to shoot an airplane out of the sky. It would just be fifty independent people deciding I'm going to take my gun out and shoot this plane and it would all happen at the same time in Arkansas. And I remember um the the there were just also like drag queens that on um Hol- if they're dressed on, like drag queens doesn't that just mean that they are drag queens? Not not entirely cuz so like there was a weird makeup. It wasn't just like drag queens. Like I'm almost misrepresent misrepresenting it by saying it cuz I have pictures and it's not just like oh this one's dressed up like Liza Minnelli. Um, but they did this crazy, this weird routine where they said, um, fame, glamour, smoke, something. And then they would like, each one was standing each on, one a of them star. Stopped on a star. Yeah. Right. And they were, they would summon one of the stars, like Judy Garland or whatever. They, mm-hmm. they would call out to them from their star. You know, actually, I remember earlier in the day we were walking along and I found uh, the star for Judge Judy. And I, like <laughs> laid down like, ah, oh, take my picture with Judge Judy. Well, the next fucking star over was Fabian, Mm-mm. the 1950s singer, Fabian. <laughs> his star was right next to Judge Judy's. That's nuts. Did you take a picture of that? I did, yes. It was my Facebook profile picture for a little while. <laughs> me, like, draped across like, Burt Reynolds. I didn't realize that you had to pay for the pictures you took with people on the street. Oh, we had that little I was just jumping too. in people's yeah. arms, and my dad was taking pictures. He was like, yeah. you know that I'm paying for these. <laughs> no, I did not. I really didn't really get a Yeah, the ratty Elmo costume or, like, the skinny Superman. Yeah, he's expecting a tip. Uh, who was it? Who's the captain John, of uh, Johnny Depp? Who was he? Oh, uh, uh, Jack Sparrow. Yeah, that guy. Um, okay, so with this, uh, so we ran around L.A. for a little while. I remember... Um, we spent the night, the night before we were going to go film, we spent the night in, me and Billy went to Evan and Evan's hotel and spent the night with them. And, uh, and I remember dragging a mattress out onto the balcony and sleeping out on the balcony because I just wanted to hear the city and hear the sounds and see the lights. And, uh, and I, th- I remember at some point thinking that Dr. Dre was down, some word had gotten around that Dr. Dre had a CD release party downstairs. Goddamn. Fabian, uh, if, you were, if you were female and cute, you would be accused all the time of being like a, a wannabe manic pixie dream girl. Like, <laughs> oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull the mattress out onto the balcony and I'm going to want to hear the sounds of the city. Like, it oh, was really cool. You, you are Natalie Portman in Garden State. Oh, I can live with that. It's just. Sorry, I just one of, one of my it favorite really quotes, hit me just then. One of my favorite quotes from Evan though was, um, like, I sh- he's like, I should have been puking on a star on Hollywood Boulevard, so we got to do it again. Because <laughs> <laughs> that part didn't happen, and I think yeah, it could have gone harder as far as that's concerned. Um, so what was it like actually being on Judge Judy? Like, so the next is she morning, intimidating? Is she scary? Like, so we'll get there. We'll get there. Okay. So the next morning we woke up. Um, get get dressed, get everything ready, and then uh, hop in a taxi and get taken to the studio. And uh, the studio is a studio, like like you would expect a television studio. You walk in this back door, but then of course what you see on TV is like a courtroom. So um, so but it's all like cardboard pop up walls or whatever, you know. But if you walls. if you turn the camera like two inches to the left, you would see the like this the the black space of the studio around it. 
Yeah, kind of and that, that was kind of weird though, like because we're walking, like we set we got separated of course, and we, we're walking as we go through the metal detectors and everything. We, me and Billy walk to our green room where we're gonna wait our turn, and uh, and it's you know just a little little waiting room, and it's got a fridge with like some sodas and water. And uh, I was, of course, again, like real nervous. Um, like I've run over my story in my head so many times and like trying to convince myself that like it'll, you know, of all these things. Because one of the things, if they determine your story to be a lie, you will be accountable for the costs. Your plane ticket, your hotel costs, everything. Is, oh, all of a sudden, you're, yeah, so you got to sell your So you're shit. playing a dangerous game. That's what I felt. But then at some point... Um, this producer comes in with like a two hundred dollar haircut and a purple velvet sports coat, and you know, you, you know, great tan, and uh, he starts talking about like you know, we want people on here that are animated that are really gonna tell a story. Uh, what we <laughs> don't want is someone that is you know, you know, this is television. You gotta understand that what you're here to do is you're here for Judy, and this is a show. And I was, all of a sudden, a lot of the nerves went away. I was probably still a little nervous, but I felt he kind of he gave you better. some he gave you some direction. He gave yeah. you he gave you a goal. I felt like there was no longer a gun to my wallet. Like uh-huh. game on, motherfucker! And uh, so you know, me and Billy kind of like jumped around a little bit to get ourselves pumped up, and then it was time for us to go out. And so one enough, I, Billy threw me into the side of a truck. <laughs> so one thing I thought we were gonna get to do, I thought we were gonna like maybe meet her beforehand or like maybe see the courtroom or like, I thought maybe there'd be a monitor like in the waiting room over the green room we were in. So we could see uh, like what's going on, but instead we were flying blind and I guess that's on purpose. They want you to like, ah. and um, so we go in, we walk through and uh, they start introducing us. Um, and I think Evan went first. So Evan, I'll let you talk about like how that side of shit was for you. Man, uh, it was, I guess, just about like that, you know, they just kind of told us that, you know, you know, they were assuring us, oh, you know, you got this in the bag. I can't believe this guy did this at your party and this kind of stuff. And, you know, like, you know, are you, are you just stuck taking any standing meds. there going like, yeah, I know what an asshole, right? Right, right, right. And, you know, we since they paid the uh, fines, we were kind of hoping Fabian would lose anyway, you know, just so. You know, that there would be a, a fine to pay. That would right, get right. Paid. right, right. So, uh, but you know, like Fabian was saying, basically just from from them putting makeup on on me to just all of a sudden just in the courtroom, it was uh, I guess a little shocking. It happened a little quicker than I was expecting. I expected there to be a little more. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what I was expecting, but so um, so Evan and his wife walk in. And they give like their testimony or whatever as the, um, the, the, the plaintiffs and they tell their side of the story. Um, I think I remember Evan saying that, uh, he found himself pausing a lot. And then when it aired, they cut out all the pauses. And that's what I do on our podcast. Yeah. And it, it makes it flow. Oh, so much better. Whenever he finished his, his opening statements, she turns and looks at me and says, so what do you have to say for yourself, Mr. Ariza? And there's this moment where she looks at me right after she says that and she's not scary. It's like a friend. She's just like, all right, let's go. And it was so comforting and so fun. 
Um, and behind her is a cutout that you can't see on TV. And there's a camera. So there's a giant TV camera lens. But then there's also a pair of like Converse sneakers propped up. And when she walked into the courtroom, you could see she her blue jeans. You could see the blue jeans poking <laughs> out from beneath her robe. And so when she turned and she looked at me and she like handed me the ball, I felt so ready. And so I felt very comfortable to just start talking and blah, 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 telling my story and it, you know, using my hands. And, um, and it felt good. Like at one point, she, I felt like she was trying to corner me. She started asking if I had brought my own alcohol, if they had served the alcohol. And I said, oh, I brought my own. And uh, she, then she asked. That, did you have that figured out beforehand or were you, did you have no. to improv at all? That was entirely, I was like, oh, fuck. Am I about to fuck this up? Which I Are you have. looking over to even like take notes, motherfucker? Do not fuck this up. <laughs> she, if I had said that I'd brought, that, that they had served me alcohol, then we would have lost the case. Then it would have been their fault. No money. Right. So um, you had to say that it was yours. Yes. And, but then she And you figured me, that out on the spot. But yeah. But then she asked me what kind. And I, in my, I knew. Wine coolers? I what? Why the fuck did I say that? So I didn't drink a lot. So I said whiskey. And that seemed like a thing that people would like get in a fight on. And then she said, what kind? I was thinking, what the fuck? Why would you ask that? And I said, <laughs> old turkey. Which is a alter? No, a, a mashup no. <laughs> of two whiskeys. Did and, she uh, laugh in your face and then have that cut out of the episode? I cannot remember, but it, it may like whatever's in there is in there. Like a friend of mine later, she went to some website and had like an old turkey label made for me and sent to me in the mail. And um, but that's nice. when I was like, "Fuck! What? What? Did I just drop the ball there?" Um, but then. I'm the kind of but, guy who throws people into the into the sides of trucks. Do you think I, I I can read? But then I had like uh, my own case where I was trying to counter sue them by saying because they sent me home, I wrecked my car because the producer on the phone I forgot about this. She had told me to like come up with something, and uh, okay, and so then, she actually encouraged you to just m- come up with something, make make something up. Yeah, and so I kind of just rolled with that because it gave me more shit to say. What would you find? So I found um, on Dr. Phil. Um, I'm so disappointed that TV is not episode, real. Episode. I can't um, believe I think this. I can play the intro. I can play the. I really hope this isn't the whole fucking episode. But here's the description I found. Jimmy, 43, likes to date younger women, and his 20 year old daughter, Morgan, says he's got to stop, especially since she discovered him kissing one of her friends. Jimmy <gasps> says young women are attracted to him, including Morgan's friends. Should she. Should he change his relationship rules for his daughter? And I have the intro if you want me to play that. Like the trailer part. Yes, please. Okay. Let me make sure this is it. Here we go. Commercial. I don't want to get in trouble for that. What are the rules about playing this? these clips? I mean, it's my clip, right? I, mean, think about it. I don't think you own the rights to them. Like, if you get your pictures taken at a studio, you don't own the rights to those pictures as the person who took the photos. We could probably can... get away playing this clip. Um, whenever I posted the Judge Judy episode on YouTube, um, it got up to over 100,000 views. And then I got a cease and desist order from Viacom. Everybody says my dad's okay. hot. Should a 40-something father be dating his daughter's friends? His daughter can't stand it. I have snuck him in the back door on the window. They'll crawl through the window. You think it's creepy? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, like I've I've dealt with courts before, 
And it's like, as long as you're between the lanes and as long as you're following their rules, judges are kind of buddy-buddy with you. Like, as long as you acknowledge that they are superior to you, they'll kind of play along. Like, they'll kind of... They'll kind of try... It's almost like they're trying to put you at ease and trying to convince you not to be afraid. But as soon as you cross the line or as soon as it's like, no, you did something illegal, they bring the hammer down. Yeah. And a lot of the time they find that out because they've convinced you, like, oh, just relax. Relax, man. Relax. It's fine. It's fine. Uh, it's like when the, when the good cop walks in and he gives you the cigarette. Yeah. it's They're playing good cop, bad cop, but they have to... They have to contain that within one person. But he's both cops, man. Judge Judy is both. So they they have the exact transcript of the whole uh, episode of what we said and what my dad said and what Dr. Phil says. And then the out, um, his, yeah. Oh my God, act it out, but you be your dad, Fabian be you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's pretty fucking funny. I didn't know they did that. But at the end it says, um... Uh, what he says, you really don't have the right to tell him who to date or not to date, but what you can do is appeal to his sense of sensitivity and respect for you to say, at least don't do this with people whom I hang out with. I don't want to double date my dad, <laughs> Dr. Phil suggests. I don't want to double date my dad. And he tells my dad there has to be a boundary in there, but you can show her some respect by at least not dating her friends, which you, make, you know makes her uncomfortable. My dad says, absolutely. And then Jimmy laughs. Okay. This is funny. I didn't realize it did this. So, I mean, if you want to send that transcript to me, I, I yeah. can see a whole episode where you play your dad, Fabian plays you, and I play Dr. Phil. Oh, my God. That would be so funny. Do you have a fake mustache? I have a real can, one. Can we do that? Eh. I am saving so much money by not shaving anywhere. I guess I should pull my fake mustache stocks. Yes, because I'm like... In, in COVID times, like, why bother fucking making yourself presentable for public consumption? I'm about 40 pounds heavier and 20 pounds hairier. So oh, shit. We going to do this now? No. <laughs> but there uh, it is. That would be funny, though. Setting boundaries. Like, that's the title. Setting boundaries. Oh, this isn't made. This isn't done like a transcript. This is done like a narrative. Like somebody, mm -hmm. they paid some fucking intern to sit down, listen to your conversation, and write it out like a like a novelization. Mm-hmm. Didn't know that till just now. What the fuck? All right. I, I bet. Um, pre, like, like ten year, like ten years ago when that episode aired. Mm. Pre Facebook bigness, people went to websites like that and like read the episodes. Because also, you couldn't just stream them. You couldn't just say, "Oh, I want to watch this episode now." If you missed it, it was worth it to like go back and read some of the other episodes. Read it. Yeah. Oh my god. The, it was a different Are you world. Reading back it. Then. <laughs> I'm reading it right now. First, let me ask you, what's the appeal other than the <laughs> obvious? I guess a 20 year old girl or an 18 year old girl is young and perky oh, fresh God. he says perky and all of that <laughs> and you and you see this a lot particularly in hollywood never mind my mustache i know it's twitching it, it, it does that no don't pay any attention um no 20 year old girls particularly in hollywood you see older girls with younger girls and i don't know what the f 
No, older. Okay, hold on. Uh, you see older guys with younger girls, and I don't, I don't know, I guess I'm just getting too old, because I'm thinking, oh, geez, what am I going to do with this? <laughs> After the first 20 minutes. He says that? Yes, yes. No, oh, my God. <laughs> and I'm sure he says it exactly the way I'm saying it. I mean, really, come on. What do you do with the other 23 hours and 40 minutes of the day? What's the appeal? Okay, so what have we learned about Dr. Phil from this statement? That's fucking great. His voice is like barbecue sauce. I really want to do a reenactment of this. Like hickory barbecue sauce? <laughs> or, uh, a lot of it is availability, he says. I'm a musician. Oh, oh no, that's your dad. Okay, sorry. Uh... Uh, oh God! Was Doctor Phil in the military? So, so you're just in a target-rich environment. Doctor Phil concludes. What? What's that? No. Is is your dad is your dad having relations with these girls, or is he shooting them? What? Uh. Yeah, mm-hmm. I say we do a reenactment because I had a lot of fun being Doctor Phil just now. <laughs> right now. Right I mean, at, at at some point, I'm I'm bookmarking yes. this page. Hundred percent. We could make puppets. <laughs> I mean, that would, been, that would be great. I've been accused of being a puppet, or no, no, that was a muppet. Never mind. You fucking this... muppet. Well, while we have Eben here, let's wrap up yes. the uh, the Judge Judy part. Sorry. Um. Oh no, I it's, it's fine. That was a, that was a very fun rabbit hole. Okay. Um, but we're gonna. <laughs> there's plenty more there actually. I think. Um. So after we set our pieces, um, like actually, I one thing I, just I really I re- want to perform. Goddamn! All right. One thing I remember a friend of mine saying before we went on, like we were telling people, like we we were going to go on. My uh, buddy's brother, he was like, you know, at some point you need to be like, Judy, you're not listening. And I thought about it a few times throwing that out there, but it didn't. Um, and so she ended up giving the judge saying the judgment, you know, like that I was responsible for the damage to the vehicle, and. We wrapped it up and went outside, and they did a little post-interview. And in the post-interview, at one point, I said, um, it's like it's all one big joke, and I'm the punchline. You know, like, uh, which was kind of a, a cute nod to the fact that it was all one big, but one big joke. And um, it had been later remarked to me, like as I was saying that, I, I leaned back up onto one foot, and he was like, did you have a beer backstage or something? Like, one point, like, he's standing on one foot. And at that point, I was just so fucking jazzed. I had had such a good time. It just didn't high on life, baby. Yeah, I was loving. Could not wait to go. You had to wait two years to do it again. Um, couldn't <laughs> wait to go back. Really wanted to do it again. And, of course, life happens. Didn't work out that way. Um, didn't didn't remain the priority that it did in the first five minutes after leaving the courtroom. Fabian, um, I'm pretty short. Throw me into a car. Let's go. <laughs> It can be done. Um, All right. Oh, one other thing we tried to do while we were out there, we tried to get on the, the prices right. Uh, we found the studio, and we had a weird experience at the gate. Like, we're talking to the security guard and asking Did like, they stop you and say, have you spayed and neutered your pets? He didn't, but what he did say okay. was like, at some point, I don't know where the friction came, but at one point he's like, y'all don't want to be on here. Y'all don't want to be on prices right. Y'all don't want... And it was like, why are you saying yeah, that? Yeah, we do. Like, I don't know what it was that we did to put him off or what authority he had to, like, be the filter. But it was just an odd note in the memory of it all. Yeah, I'd forgotten about that. Oh, um. Maybe some, maybe some, like, downright nefarious shit happens on The Price is Right and he was saving you. 
I never appreciated that. Uh, you don't want to, you don't, yeah. you don't, you don't want to go. You don't want to cross that away. threshold. You don't want none of this shit, do we? <laughs> we should all ride into all these different shows and see which one we can get on. I haven't been on TV. I feel a little left out when Fabian was like, this is going to be the episode where we talk about all of our experiences on being on TV. I was like, ne- never, never done that. Try it sometime. I've got nothing to contribute <laughs> except for a bad Dr. Phil impression. Uh, I'd like to thank Ed Ben for joining us for his first episode with us. That was awesome. I haven't actually had a conversation with him since pre-pandemic, uh, and even before that. Uh, thank you for coming back again, Morgan. This is great. Yeah. This episode might go up before the other one, so it may seem like...